But wait, there's more. Hi, everybody. It's Terry O'Reilly here, and we're happy to announce something we've never offered before. It's our But Wait, There's More subscriber package. If you're a fan of Under the Influence, you'll get more than ever before. You'll get more bonus episodes like the live recording and audience Q&A we did recently at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival, exclusive for subscribers only. You'll get more podcasts with additional stories. You'll get early access so you can listen to all of our new shows before anyone else. You'll get all of our episodes, including archives, ad-free. Tisk tisk. I won't judge. You'll be invited to Ask Me Anything sit-down chats with yours truly. You'll get first dibs on tickets for live events. You'll get big discounts on Under the Influence merchandise. And that's only the beginning, all for a few bucks a month. Just go to our show page on Apple Podcasts and tap Try Free to start your free seven-day trial. Membership has its privileges. Hmm, you should copyright that. 
I got into a big argument with my co-author about the dedication, which shows you how volatile simple dedications can be. Take this one, for example. To my two wives, I pray you never meet. Hmm, there's a whole book in that sentence. How about this one by author Matson Perry? For my wife, who somehow managed to be nothing but supportive of a book about all the women I slept with before her. Brave. In the book, An Introduction to Algebraic Topology by Joseph J. Rotman, the dedication reads, To my wife Margannet and my children Ella Rose and Daniel Adam, without whom this book would have been completed two years earlier. Hmm, or so he told his editor. Dark Places by Gillian Flynn is a chiller about satanic cult hysteria. In the dedication, she writes... What can I say about a man who knows how I think and still sleeps next to me with the lights off? That's scary. In a book by Jesse Baring titled The Sexual Deviant in All of Us, the dedication reads, For you, you pervert you. Author Pedram Amini wrote a book about software security titled Fuzzing, Brute Force Vulnerability Discovery. He wrote... I dedicate this book to George W. Bush, my commander-in-chief, whose impressive career advancement despite remedial language skills inspired me to believe I was capable of authoring a book. Now that is inspirational. Ben Phillip wrote a book titled The Field Guide to the North American Teenager. Dedication? To my mother, Belzy. I would have made a terrible doctor, Mom. People would have died. That's a good career choice, then. In the book titled Austin Land by Shannon Hale, the dedication says, For Colin Firth, you're a really great guy, but I'm married, so I think we should just be friends. I hope Colin took that okay, considering he probably doesn't even know Shannon Hale. In This Boy's Life by Tobias Wolfe, he wrote the following, My first stepfather used to say that what I didn't know would fill a book. Well, here it is. Yep, revenge is a dish best served cold. Like my favorite dedication of all time, written by E.E. E. Cummings for his self-published 1935 book titled No Thanks. It said, No Thanks to Farrar and Reinhardt, Simon & Schuster, Coward McCann, Limited Editions, Harcourt Brace, Random House, Equinox Press, Smith & Haas, Viking Press, Knopf, Dutton, Harpers, Scribners, and Covici Freed. Those were the 14 publishing houses that turned him down. Welcome to our annual Bookmarks episode. We read a lot of books while doing research for this show, and occasionally some of the great material we gather just doesn't fit into our regular episodes. So, we save the best bits for this show. From biographies to books on creativity to a book about spiders in space, I'd like to dedicate this episode to the first professor I had at Ryerson back in the 70s who gave me a 4 out of 10 in radio. This one's for you.
One of the most interesting books I've read this year was titled How to Fly a Horse. Subtitle, The Secret History of Creation, Invention, and Discovery by Kevin Ashton. It takes a fascinating look at the elusive subject of creativity. He analyzes a range of subjects from Mozart to the Muppets and maintains there is no magic moment in the sacred act of creativity. But rather, virtually all creative breakthroughs are accomplished by seemingly unremarkable people who simply never gave up. Persistence and iteration were the salt and pepper of their delicious successes. Of the many key insights in this wonderful book, two come to mind today. The first is that you must say no. This is a lesson I've learned along the way. I'm very fortunate that I get wonderful opportunities presented to me. Many people contact me and want to talk or they'd like to meet. And often I say no. But there is a reason for that. Saying no guards my time. I have a lot of creative projects I'm working on and they need serious thinking time and careful, unrushed production time. As Ashton says, the math of time is simple. You have less than you think and need more than you know. No means more creative work can be done. Yes means less. Guarding your creative time is important. The space you create to create is essential and should always be non-negotiable. The second aspect that I'm reminded of today in How to Fly a Horse is the fact there is a common misconception about creativity, namely, that good ideas are celebrated. The biggest ideas I've ever been associated with were always the most difficult to sell. They faced the most pushback. Always. The phrase, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door, is incorrect. That line was actually a misquote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. The original line didn't even mention mousetraps, by the way. It was about building better chairs, knives, and church organs. But because it has been remembered as build a better mousetrap, it has led to about 400 patent applications for mousetraps every year. And almost all of those applications quote or misquote Emerson's line, by the way. Of those 400 patent applications, about 40 are granted annually. More than 5,000 patents have been granted so far. So many, in fact, the U.S. Patent Office has 30 subclasses for mousetraps. Fewer than 20 have ever made money. According to Ashton, the first and best mousetrap was built in the late 1880s by an Illinois inventor named William C. Hooker. Before that, Jack Russell Terriers were used to hunt rodents. They were much more effective than cats. But Ashton's bigger point is this. You have to expect rejection when you are creating. Build a better mousetrap and the world will not beat a path to your door. You must beat a path to the world. And that is why marketing remains so vital in business. In a book titled Disruption by Jean-Marie Drew, chairman of the multinational TBWA advertising firm, the author puts forth the theory that in order for a company to thrive, it must disrupt conventional thinking. He says the future of a company has to be imagined, not predicted. As my old boss Jay Shiat used to say, 
Creative is not a department. It should be the entire culture of a company. Jean-Marie Drew believes that seeing the future first is more about having a wide-angle lens than a crystal ball. That it's more about surveying the always-evolving business landscape and being on the lookout for unique opportunities. Then, using bold creativity to stand out. That jives with the core philosophy of another book titled The Case for Creativity by James Herman. There is a constant unease between advertising agencies and their clients. So many clients feel that all you have to do is communicate an ad message clearly and people will listen, absorb, and buy. Never happens. Many clients feel creativity gets in the way of the message. The problem with that thinking is that before an ad can sell a product, it has to get in the door first. Creativity sticks a foot in that door. As Herman says, To dismiss creativity is to make the assumption that people consume all the advertising put in front of them. Never happens. Creative advertising makes the immediate assumption that people block out advertising and only let in a tiny amount of advertising that captures their interest. I believe that right down to my socks. A media buy makes an audience a possibility, not a certainty. 2,000 people passing a billboard on the way to work is not an audience of 2,000. The quality of the creative idea determines that audience. As author Herman accurately points out in his book, much of the skepticism of creativity comes from many chief executive and financial officers who regard marketing as flaky and therefore see creative advertising agencies as flaky squared. The problem is that creativity is not a balance sheet item, nor is it a process that can be regimented. The more you process creativity, the blander it gets, just like food. But the smartest companies know creativity is the most powerful business tool. Brands that became famous because of advertising outperformed all other brands. Take the Old Spice campaign, The Man Your Man Could Smell Like. Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using ladies' scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now diamonds. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a horse. That commercial became famous. It earned an audience orders of magnitude larger than its media spend could have ever achieved. Year-over-year sales grew 125%. It was judged not only as one of the most creative ad campaigns of 2011, but the most effective. In many ways, social media was the final arbitrator of that. Old Spice was viewed over 40 million times in its first week alone. While social media has its downside, it is an advertising litmus test. Nobody shares bad commercials. Social media shuts out boring ads. As Herman says, awareness is dependent on money. Fame is dependent on creativity. Pricing has always been a fascinating subject to me. 
because the price of a product is often determined by psychology, not the cost of producing the product. Companies that pursue the lowest possible price as a strategy will slowly remove features and premium ingredients from their products until shoppers start to scream. In other words, a low price costs something. Anybody can drop a price, but how do companies sell a high-priced item? To begin with, a high price must be established in the advertising, not in the store. As Jack Trout says in the classic marketing book, Positioning the Battle for Your Mind, there should be no surprises at the store level. Marketers don't necessarily need to quote exact prices in the ads, but they must clearly communicate that the product exists in the high-price category. Years ago, a new breakthrough was made in car wax. It was put on the market at 69 cents a bottle. Nobody bought it, because nobody believed this new wax could do a great job for just 69 cents. So the advertising agency convinced the wax manufacturer to raise the price to $1.69. It sold like hotcakes. Sometimes you have to raise a price in order to generate sales. In the excellent biography of Bruce Lee by Matthew Pauley, he tells an interesting pricing story. In the mid-60s, Bruce Lee is co-starring in the Green Hornet TV show as Kung Fu sidekick Kato. But when the show is cancelled, Lee struggles financially. Then one day, several businessmen offer him the chance to start a nationwide chain of Kato Kung Fu schools. The businessmen would fund it, and Lee would add his name, prestige, and martial arts expertise. It would be an instant empire, and the revenue would probably set Lee up for life. But he turns it down. He has no interest in managing franchised McDojos. It would effectively end his acting career and turn him into a corporate executive. Instead, Lee wanted to take a gamble on his Hollywood dream. He knew the ticket in depended on who you know. So, he decided to craft his art into a luxury item for celebrities. One of his first students is Jay Sebring, hairdresser to the stars. Lee notices Sebring charges celebrities $50 for a $2 haircut. He wonders if he can do the same thing with kung fu lessons. He begins by charging $25 an hour, the equivalent of $190 in today's dollars. Pricey, but he gets no takers. One day, he bumps into the co-producer of the Green Hornet series, and he asks Lee if he has found any other acting work. Lee says no. The producer says, Why don't you use your talent to teach celebrities kung fu? Lee says he was trying, but had no luck. The producer asks him how much he was charging. Lee says $25 per hour, and wonders if it's too much. The producer tells him it's way too little. He tells Lee that Hollywood is full of writers, actors, directors, and producers who are suffering from middle-aged macho syndrome. Guys who want to appear tough and virile. Guys who have money to burn. And learning Kung Fu from Bruce Lee would be right up their alley. So, in 1968, Lee printed up new business cards that offered his services for $150 per hour. Within weeks, his students included James Coburn, Blake Edwards, James Garner, and Steve McQueen. By the end of 1968, Bruce Lee was the hottest self-defense instructor in Hollywood. 
He was so overwhelmed with requests, he raised his fee to $275. That's over $2,000 in today's dollars per hour. In marketing, to successfully position a product with a high price, you must establish the high price position with a unique product story. And you have to do that in a category where shoppers are receptive to a high-priced brand. Bruce Lee had a very unique story. He was a once-in-a-lifetime martial artist. And he fished where the fish were. Hollywood. And we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com If you're enjoying this episode, why not dip into our archives? Available wherever you download your pods. Go to terryoreilly.ca for a master episode list. Another book I read this year was titled Dream Teams by Shane Snow. It's a book that explores why a select group of teams succeed spectacularly while others completely break down. Snow's book reveals the fact that great teams pivot on creative friction. The longer people work together, the more they begin to think alike. And that is not good for creativity. They get stuck in the same pattern of thinking. Groupthink. Snow believes smart groups should contain a naysayer, or someone with a diverse point of view. This person doesn't necessarily have the answers, but by pushing back or by coming at the problem with a diametrically opposed viewpoint, 
stimulates creative tension. And creative tension fuels more originality. He tells a great story to prove his point. The FBI didn't hire its first female agent until 1972. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover believed agents had to be big, strong, intimidating, and male. He also believed the FBI all had to march to the same drum. In other words, they all had to be male. Of course, J. Edgar Hoover was wrong. Back in 1974, the FBI had gathered enough incriminating evidence to subpoena a mob boss in New Jersey to force him to testify in court. But mafia bosses are hard to get into a courtroom. There was one big problem. The court demanded a subpoena must be delivered in person by hand. And the mafia had long ago figured out if a subpoena never got delivered, then it couldn't be enforced. So they developed a simple strategy. Surround the mob boss with layers of bodyguards so no law enforcement officer could ever get close enough to deliver the document. It created an ongoing problem for the FBI. They scratched their heads for weeks about how to get to the mob boss. They tried ambushing him at a lunch one day, but the bodyguards blocked their way. The organized crime squad then arranged a brainstorming session. They needed a better plan. The problem was, a subpoena is a request to testify, not an arrest. So the FBI couldn't raid the mobsters' offices with guns blazing just to deliver paperwork. That's when the rookie in the room raised a hand. Her name was Christine Young. All the male heads turned when she spoke. She quietly said the mob boss's daughter was getting married in two weeks. And she had an idea. Two weeks later, a chauffeured black limousine pulled up at the location where the daughter's wedding reception was being held. Out of the car stepped an elegant woman in heels and a purple high-necked gown. The bodyguards watched as she confidently strode into the reception hall. Nobody stopped her, just as Christine Young had predicted. She waited in the reception line. When she got to the front, the bride was standing there beside her beaming father. That's when Agent Young handed the mob boss the subpoena, said, enjoy your night, and walked out. The mob boss was furious. That simple plan worked perfectly, because nobody at the wedding assumed that a gorgeously dressed Asian woman could possibly be a federal agent. Christine Young's simple idea had trumped all the other plans the FBI had tried in the past. She was a female with a point of view that existed outside the FBI groupthink. She was, as someone once said, an angelic troublemaker. The lesson? Make sure teams are diverse and include outsiders, provocateurs, and devil's advocates. And suspend your reflex to ignore them. The last book I want to mention today is titled Spiders in Space by Todd Hirsch and Rob Roche. It's an interesting book about adapting to unwanted change. In the first chapter, they tell the story that lent the book its title. As an experiment, two spiders were brought up to the Skylab space station in 1973. 
NASA wanted to see if spiders could spin a web without the aid of gravity. It was an interesting question, because never before in the 300 million year history of spiders had they ever faced this challenge. Things didn't go well initially. The first web looked like it was designed by a drunk spider. But after a couple of days, they figured it out. The arachnid astronauts adapted to the unwanted change. Their essential nature, their DNA, didn't change. They remained hunters who trapped their prey by spinning webs. They were the same spiders, but they learned to spin their webs under a disorienting new condition. With this current pandemic, we are all facing disorienting new conditions. Adapting to this new new will be challenging because so much of our world will change. But as authors Hirsch and Roche say, successful adapters find ways to thrive under the new conditions rather than merely learning to tolerate them. The spiders had to deal with the absence of body weight. They had to build their web frames by running along the structure instead of dropping down, which was the usual spider way. The spiders faced a binary choice, give up or try something different. Adapters will see the new normal as an opportunity. Non-adapters will give up. It pays to be a spider in space. There is so much collected wisdom in books, and it's all there for the taking. Sometimes you learn something so enlightening you take it with you for the rest of your life. Other times, you read something that reinforces what you already believe. Like, the world will not be the path to your door when you come up with an original idea. As a matter of fact, it could be the toughest fight of your career. People will almost always default to the familiar. In many of the stories today, true creativity only happened when people avoided the trap of groupthink. As author Nassim Taleb says, Our minds are like inmates. We must plan a cunning escape. In Shane Snow's Dream Teams, you see how incredible problems can be solved when a team is comprised of diverse viewpoints, and how important it is to suppress the instinct to ignore a dissenting voice. And in this time of COVID-19, we're entering an era of unwanted change. We will all have to adapt in this strange, new, zero-gravity world of uncertainty. It'll be a little wobbly at first, but with creativity and by inviting diverse voices into the conversation, we'll figure it out. Because every blank page is dedicated to possibilities when you're under the influence. I'm Terry O'Reilly. This episode was recorded in the Terrestream Mobile Recording Studio. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Sound engineer, Keith Ullman. Theme music by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. If you liked this episode, you might also enjoy Bookmarks 2017, Season 6, Episode 25. You'll find it in our archives wherever you download your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Terry O. Influence. See you next week. I, too, have come up with a better mousetrap. Simple, yet... Would you excuse me for a moment? Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.